Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, we are deep into season four and Kevin and I today, we're going to give you a three-tiered reporting framework that's going to help you show your boss that your marketing is either helping drive revenue for the business or is on its way to doing so. Kevin, 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 great to have you here as always. And great to be here with you as always, George. I love that enthusiasm. There it is. <laughs> Maybe quieten down, Kev. <laughs> You're going to blow my ears off. <laughs> all right, Kev, today we're speaking to not just demand marketers, really all those marketers out there that are really facing that same challenge of justifying their activities to executives and other teams like sales. Now, Kev, you and I, we regularly get marketers sliding into our DMs asking questions like, you know, how can I prove the effectiveness of my paid social efforts to justify the spend to the CEO? Or how can I measure the impact of our content? Or just simply, how can I show that our marketing is actually helping contribute to revenue? Simple questions with uh, somewhat complex answers. Today, we are sharing, again, a three-tiered reporting framework, uh, one that actually, Kev, I initially picked up from Miles Madden from um, Observe AI. But before we dive into that, Kev, I think it's worth discussing, first of all, should we be reporting on marketing-sourced revenue or marketing-influenced revenue? I think first we need to look at those questions and uh, tackle those initially. Yeah, listeners, I think it's one that George and I, we've experienced a lot in our performance marketing careers, talking to clients, 
um, you know, everyone wants to know how can we measure better, how can we measure more so that we can do more of the good things that are helping our marketing uh, activities overall. And I think that conversation carries right through as I move into in-house uh, roles. That conversation is consistent across the board. So it's really no surprise for us to come across these questions. And as George said, there's a prerequisite question here of asking, should we even bother reporting uh, marketing source revenue at all or uh, the influence that marketing has on revenue? As I'm sure our regular listeners would know, uh, we've spoken a few times about measurement and our view is generally that you know, it needs to be done on a wider scale. It needs to be done on a more holistic view that marketing is not siloed. It's part of a wider breadth of activities within a business that drives revenue ultimately. So in terms of you know, attributing revenue specifically to specific actions taken in marketing. It's a, it's a, it depends answer. You know, there's some information you can get from that, from attribution work, but you take things with a grain of salt and really should be looked at in a more holistic view. Um, so as George said, in this episode, we're going to talk about this idea of a three tiers of reporting that you can use um, and really stop thinking about marketing source revenue and marketing influence revenue and start thinking about what is contributing to your revenue, marketing being one of those things. And Kev, before we dismiss marketing sourced and marketing influenced revenue, I think it's important to actually define what those are for our listeners. So listeners, marketing sourced revenue or pipeline is really pipeline generated by initiatives that are driven by the marketing department. So the marketing department is the initiator of the campaign or the event, and then the leads that are generated by these campaigns are what we would call marketing sourced. So in other words, the sales opportunity would not exist had the marketing department not run that particular activity. Marketing influenced pipeline is pipeline where marketing has influenced the main contacts within the opportunity itself. So say that your sales team is in the middle of a sales cycle and the main contacts of that sales opportunity visit your website and they download a bunch of white papers. As they've engaged with some of your marketing campaigns, this would now be classified as marketing influenced. Now, sales cycles at B2B organizations, as you all know, they're quite complex and they might take months to complete. So throughout the duration of that sales cycles, the, the chances are very, very high that people from that account are going to engage with some kind of marketing campaign that you're putting out there. So in reality, Kev, almost all sales cycles are marketing influenced. And because of that, George and listeners, you know, it's very hard to say exactly what marketing influence activities actually led to what value, what revenue. I mean, how do you attribute nine different touch points with nine different types of marketing activities uh, that maybe none were used by another customer that converted just as well? There's a lot of those things in play that are very difficult, even with a lot of the AI and data crunching that we can do these days to attribute properly. And so using these concepts like marketing source pipeline and marketing and marketing influenced uh, pipeline, it really oversimplifies the complexity of the B2B buying cycle. If you use those things as a KPI uh, to measure your marketing activity, often it's just gonna lead you astray. It assumes that there's a first touch or a last touch attribution model, or even if you distribute it evenly across the different touches, it doesn't really take into account the multiple buyers and touch points involved and how they differ case to case. Kev, we were talking about it just before we hit record, but 
when it comes to marketing sourced, you know, if for example, you know, a prospect downloads a white paper, then six months later, they, they, um, will sales run an outbound motion to re-engage them. And over a series of 10, 20 touch points, that person becomes a customer. Who should get the credit there? Should marketing get the credit for bringing them in as a lead initially? Should sales do it because they did a lot of the the uh, the grunt work in following up and engaging those people on a one-to-one base? If marketing takes credit, sales are going to feel disgruntled and vice versa. And so when we start trying to attribute who's responsible for what, we're really creating and driving a wedge between these two teams. But the question then, Kev, is, well, if we're not going to report on marketing sourced or marketing influence pipeline and revenue, then how the hell are we going to measure marketing's impact? And Kev, this three-tiered system that we're going to share today, hopefully will go some way to answering that for you listeners. All right, listeners, so we're about to share the three tiers of really marketing KPIs that you should be tracking and sharing with your various stakeholders. So tier one is for those marketing programs that are the most mature and tier three are those that are the least mature. And the idea is we want to work our way from tier three to tier two and eventually to tier one because tier one is going to be the one that your executives, your stakeholders are going to understand the most. All right, Kev, tier one. So if you've got a mature marketing program, you've got a demand generation really, a demand generation engine really humming, Let's look at some of the marketing KPIs there. Now, the first one, Kev, is website sourced pipeline and revenue. So business coming through the website. I know that we just spent some time talking about why you shouldn't be measuring marketing sourced. And Kev, we're going to make a little bit of a distinction there and add some nuance. But I think, Kev, that if your product is of lower value and it's not as complex, then marketing actually has the ability to do all the education and get someone from a prospect to being a paying customer. So the target here for a marketer shouldn't really be MQLs. It shouldn't be a marketing qualified lead. It's the number of opportunities and then the revenue that is coming from those high intent hand raises that come through your website. So those people who come to your website and they say, I want to submit a demo, um, they are the ones that we want to measure. If, however, Kev, let's add some nuance here. You know, if you're selling something of a much higher value that is complex, like if you're in packaging manufacturing, for example, then there's far less utility in this metric as sales are going to need to be involved too. So, you know, what if you as a marketer got the first touch point and then there were 10 touch points beyond that between marketing and sales before that person became a customer? Well, as we said earlier, Kev, this really puts the teams in opposition to each other. So lower value product, not so complex. Look at website sourced pipeline and revenue. Um, If it is more complex, Kev, I'd be looking at overall number of high intent opportunities, not just marketing sourced. Kev, of course, we want to look at, well, how efficient are we being in actually getting those um, opportunities, that revenue? And so we want to look at the customer acquisition cost. So when we look at that, Kevin, I really think that marketers should include things like their own headcount, advertising costs, tech spend, really the total expense for a marketer um, to, to see really how much it costs to get this number of opportunities. And what we can do is we can take either the opportunity dollar amount or the closed revenue dollar amount, divide it by 
the total cost of marketing and go, hey, have we done better or have we done worse than the previous quarter? Something else, Kev, that I really like to measure in this first tier here is pipeline velocity. So that's how quickly is revenue moving through your pipeline? Now, if your marketing is having an impact, if you're working to educate your prospects, you're building trust with them, you're educating them on the category, on the product, that pipeline velocity should be increasing. So revenue should be moving faster through your pipeline. So that's a great one to keep track of. Now, Kev, those three key metrics, they're things that I think that we should really be monitoring monthly as marketers, but really we should be examining it quarterly because it's going to take some time to see the impact of any changes that we're making. Now, those three metrics, that is marketing putting up its hand and saying, hey, business leaders, we are accountable for revenue. We are having a direct impact on the business. Couple of quick things I like to add to those things, George. Um, first, being that when you look at customer acquisition costs, George mentioned that you should include things like headcount, uh, calculated based on a marketing CAC and advertising costs. I think alongside that, you know, work with the sales team and see if you can get them to report on a sales CAC as well, and have them look at, you know, what does that look like on the sales equivalent side. And if that is driving a wedge, as George mentioned, if we're looking at these things and it's driving a wedge between the two teams, then think about combining those two to an overall customer acquisition cost between the two teams. Because if you think about it, marketing and sales really are just working at different parts of the same funnel for a lot of these customer journeys. So it actually makes sense if your business is smaller, obviously if you're a very big enterprise business, it makes sense to split out some of these uh, KPIs based on teams like marketing and sales. But as a smaller, more lean team, when perhaps the number of deals you're doing are of that higher value you're just talking about and very complex, but very few, maybe there's only a handful that come through a month or a year, then it might make sense to actually look at these things as a whole for the whole business. You can still break it down to the marketing and sales level, but the focus of what your business and your leadership team looks at should maybe be pointed towards the overall numbers in terms of customer acquisition cost at a business level. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Oh, Kev, I mean, that would be amazing if you were a, a business leader and you had your sales and your marketing team working together to work out their own efficiencies, how they could work together better and then presenting a plan to the executive team. I mean, that is an absolute dream. And I think it starts with marketing, first of all, looking in their own backyard, looking at their own efficiencies, then working with sales to look at theirs. 
And I think that leads to really honest conversations between the two teams. And then hopefully from there, there's alignment and then a plan that they can move forward on. Um, excellent points there, Kev. Yeah, 100%, George. It's about working as a team, right? Your, your colleagues in the sales team are your team members and not the competition. Um, so make sure you start looking at the business as a whole, looking at your efforts as a whole to work together. Uh, make the life of your CEO and your management team a bit easier and it'll be a lot easier for you in the long run as well. And the only other thing I would add is, George mentioned there, you should be monitoring these things on a monthly basis internally within your team for sure but also checking in more towards that quarterly level with the senior leadership team in your business. But when you're starting some of the demand generation activity, as we mentioned in previous episodes and seasons, it really does take six to 12 months for a lot of these things to start ramping up and delivering the results that you expect. So make sure that when you're examining things on a quarterly basis, be sure to color up that analysis, to cut that understanding and discussion with some information around what stage are you at in terms of moving from lead gen to demand gen and in terms of your journey in building your marketing function. Yeah, there's some great qualifiers, Kev. And that's why we have the next two tiers um, of measurements and KPIs that you guys can be tracking um, because these are more leading indicators rather than lagging indicators that your marketing strategy is going to help have an impact on that bottom line. So that was tier one. Now we're moving on to tier two. And tier two is really an early indicator to business results, um, as we just said then, Kev. And the first thing that we'd like to look at is, well, we normally break it down into qualitative and quantitative metrics. Quantitative tell you the what, qualitative tell you the why. And if we're looking at quantitative metrics, Kev, one that we really love to track is the number of high intent revenue opportunities uh, that were generated. Um, again, Refine Labs, they love branding things. They call this their hero metric, H-I-R-O. It's just looking at the number of opportunities that close at 25% or more trailing six months. So if you can track that stage in your pipeline, uh, the idea is you just want to create as many of those opportunities as possible. So if you know we're generating five opportunities a month, at that level that close 25% or more, you know, if marketing is working, then that number should be increasing. So that is a great metric to track. Qualitatively, um, there's plenty of other metrics that are really good to keep track of. And some of those include sales feedback. So going to your sales team, speaking to them about the quality of opportunities that are coming across their desk is a really, really important one. Um, talking to your buyers in market, to see whether they're building more affinity with your brand, whether your content programs are becoming helpful, uh, whether they're starting to follow you more and your content is really, really important. For this, we love using things like customer interviews, uh, getting feedback from different social channels, um, really just getting any feedback you can from those buyers. Self-reported attribution is a huge one, Kev. That's really a fancy word for um including how did you hear about us as a compulsory open text field whenever someone goes to contact you through, through like a demo request, for example. They're often the places where people are going to cite your content programs to say, hey, you know, George, I actually found your and Kev's podcast on how to scale Google ads really, really helpful. And it was this that led me to then go and check out the B2B incubator. And that's why I signed up for it. So Collecting that kind of information is one step before it actually shows up in your pipeline. 
And then finally, Kev, looking at a hybrid attribution model. So uh, there's always a bit of a debate as to whether we should be using the attribution that is showing up in software. So HubSpot, for example, is a CRM that's going to attribute where your leads came from uh, versus what people actually tell you themselves. So that's software attribution versus self-reported attribution. The way that we like to think about it, Kev, is software attribution like HubSpot it's first click or last click, that really tells you how that demand was captured, whereas self-reported attribution really tells you how that demand was created. So another example, Kev, is uh, people who have applied to the B2B incubator. Very often our HubSpot will tell us that those people came through organic, but their self-reported attribution, they tell us that they came to us because they listened to the podcast. So two different sources there, both important. And it's important to have a view of both of those. Yeah, very important, George. I think a lot of our listeners and ourselves in our early days, we'd focus mainly on software attribution, maybe even channel level attribution, which we'll talk about next. But those sort of things only tell you when that demand is captured and how that's done. Um, that self-reported and qualitative data on how it was created uh, really colors that picture that you have in your mind market is of how do you generate the demand and also how do you most effectively capture it. So both very important to have visibility on. All right, Kev, so quick recap then of the tier two metrics. And remember, these are the ones that are an early indicator to business results. It's the quantitative metrics, so the high intent revenue opportunities that you're generating, the number of those that you're generating, all those beautiful qualitative metrics that we spoke about, which is about sales feedback, talking to buyers in markets, self-reported attribution, and then finally that hybrid attribution. So looking at what your CRM is telling you and then looking at what people are telling you about how that demand was actually created. All right, Kev, moving on to tier three. So these are the metrics that we're probably going to be looking out for um, when we've just started our marketing programs. And they're very much channel level KPIs. Now, these are often KPIs that your executive team probably aren't going to see. You're probably not going to share this information with them because it's just too much detail. But basically, listeners, each channel has its own KPI. So whether you're running email as a channel or LinkedIn, they're going to have different KPIs. But no matter what channel it is that you're measuring, you're going to be looking at both qualitative and quantitative indicators of success for each of them. So again, listeners, quantitative tell you the what, qualitative tells you the why. So quantitative examples for a particular channel, let's just use LinkedIn as an example, Kev. The number of views that your post got, the number of impressions it got, the engagement rate from it, the number of new followers that you got within your ICP. For your website, for example, Kev, you know, the increases in brand searches that you start getting as a result of you building affinity for your brand with a wider category. Using traffic reveal software, Kev, that shows that people from your ICP are starting to visit your website um, and making sure that they do fit within your ICP. These are all really good quantitative indicators that your channels, the work that you're doing in those channels are starting to work. Then Kev, there's those qualitative ones that we spoke about earlier. So it's, what are your buyers actually saying about your content, your product? You know, are they DMing you? Um, are they commenting on your posts on social? Are they replying to your newsletters? What feedback are you getting from the sales team? These are all really great qualitative insights to see if your marketing programs are starting to have an impact on these people. When it comes to collecting those qualitative insights, Kev, it really depends on 
your preference, your executive's preference, you know, rather than trying to collect and copy paste every single bit of qualitative insight that you get, you know, maybe just screenshotting conversations and showing them to leadership, that could work. You know, if someone goes, hey, um, that podcast that you released on this topic was super helpful. I shared it with my whole team. Screenshotting that, sending it to your boss, going, hey, look, here's someone from our ICP who loves our content. They've shared it with their team. This is a good thing to keep investing in. That might work for them. Or you might have bosses who just don't care about that qualitative stuff and you might need to try and aggregate all of that information somehow. So you know what, Kev, maybe you actually might need to start copying and pasting all that feedback and trying to turn it into something that's a bit more digestible um, in a chart because some executives just care about charts. Well, there you go, listeners. That's the three tiers of reporting that you need as a demand marketer. Key takeaways for this episode, there's three tiers to your reporting as a demand marketer. The goal is to get to tier one eventually, but you will likely need to report tiers three and two first, depending on the maturity of your marketing program and things like you know, how technical is your executive team and how much information do they need. It's really horses for courses here. And remember that this reporting really turns marketing around and puts revenue on top which is a metric that your executives can understand. Beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. Listeners, you can find links to everything we discussed in the show notes. Listeners, we're so grateful that each week more and more marketers tune in each Monday. And if we can ask one thing, it would be to please leave us a short review on whatever platform it is that you listen on or pass it on to someone who you think would get value from the show. It's an amazing help to us and we'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, listeners. Take care and catch you next week. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. Catch you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.